we've been in a series that we're going to wrap up today called, that I'm calling Epidemic. And I want to look, we kind of looked at, okay, what, what's the problem? Why do I call this Epidemic? We're, we're in a problem of hurry or busyness. And, and we looked at the first week that this is a problem. We've looked at some of the damages that that does to our life. And then last week we looked a little more at how do we have like kind of the temporary solution. We need to slow down. Obviously, it seems obvious, but that's what we need to do. So I want to take this further and go, okay, how do we have a continual solution for hurry and busyness? How do we implement something, whether it's daily, weekly, whatever it is, to help us continually slow down and feel like we have a chance to, whether it's recharge, refuel, or or, or take a break so that we can keep going. And so I want to look at this idea of rest. Rest is our continual solution to this problem of hurry, this problem of busyness, the, the, the way that we can navigate life in the future. And I think to me... It's not something we're really good at in our culture. Rest is not something our culture likes to do, talk about even, because we're just go, 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 go. We, we, we don't want to slow down and take a break. And I was thinking about this, and uh, when we were growing up, there was a group probably some of you know called Do Perfect on YouTube. They do all these different trick shots. They're really good at what they do. Um, and so we thought, as our little group of friends, we could do this too. So if you go on YouTube, you can look up um, Dude Mediocre Average Frisbee Trick Shots. You'll see um, me, Wyatt, my brother, Tim Sinchak, and and a couple of other of our buddies trying to do these trick shots as well. We only did Frisbee ones, so we didn't do like basketball or ping pong or any of those. Frisbee trick shots. But in every single video, you'll probably never see me do a trick shot because I'm not good at them. There were a couple times we would try some. And I would be there for two hours, and I would just give up. I can, I can, I can throw a frisbee. I can play ultimate frisbee. I can't throw a frisbee in a trash can. I just can't. And I'm not good at it. And I never like tried. It's not like I went home and practiced and tried to get better. Or I didn't do things to try to get better because it didn't matter to me. It was like I'm just not good at it. People like my brother, Tim Sinchok, were ones that they could. That it was just natural to them. They were just good at throwing it. They could aim it well. They were good at that. There were some. Um, that were that looked pretty hard that we did. We did a couple where we, we were on top of a roof somewhere, threw it down um, or at a far distance, and it's like they could just make them no problem. But I was never one that was able to just throw the Frisbee and make a shot. And I never improved on it because I knew it was something I wasn't good at, and I didn't necessarily need that for life, so I wasn't going to get better. And I feel like a lot of times when it comes to this area of rest, It's something in our lives that we need, but we kind of see it like I saw trick shots that I was just like, well, I I don't really need to get better at it. I don't need to implement it, so I'm just going to keep going in life. And that's not the way that, that we need to navigate life because God's implemented something that's supposed to help us and supposed to lead us down a path to keep going, and we just see it sometimes like something that's too much for us, or I have my schedule's too busy. I don't have time to take a rest. I don't have time to, to stop and just breathe. And so we're, we're, we're looking at a culture that rest is so opposite of the way that we navigate life. It's countercultural. But what we're going to see is that when we implement something that seems so simple, it's going to be so beneficial in our and so there's two passages I want to take us to real quickly um, to, to 
unpack this idea of make rest a priority. Make rest a priority. So the first one's in Genesis that we looked at in the very first week, probably one we, we would go to when we talk about this idea of rest or Sabbath. It's the end of the creation account. We all know God creates the world in six days, and then it brings us to this day. So the creation of the heavens and the earth and everything in them was completed. On the seventh day, having finished his task, God rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from his work of creation. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. So, so God creates the world in six days. On the seventh day after he's done and he's finished everything, he says, okay, I want to declare this seventh day of the week a day of rest, a day of doing nothing. It's kind of like the way I think about it is take a song. Uh, one song that I think all of us probably know is Old MacDonald Had a Farm. You know, we kind of know the, the rhythm to that, Old MacDonald Had a Farm. We know that rhythm to the song. Okay? This is, this is kind of how God sets it up. So this is the song the Creator said, this is the way that I want the song to go. This is the rhythm I want to use. This is how you sing it. And, and so he creates Old MacDonald Had a Farm. Let's just imagine that we're singing Old MacDonald Had a Farm and we try to implement the rhythm of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. It's not going to match up in the song because he had a specific, or she, whoever created the song, had a specific way that he built the song so that the song would flow, the song would fit the way that he wanted it to. When we try to use a rhythm or a beat from a different song and implement it into a song, that has a different rhythm, it's not going to match up. It's going to be all discombobulated, and it's not going to flow well, and it's going to be a mess because that's not the way the original creator intended the song to be. If I try to sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star's rhythm with Old MacDonald, it's going to be a mess. And what God has done is he's, he's created a rhythm to how life should be. His rhythm is work six days, do things six days. On the seventh day, take a rest. I heard a pastor um, kind of do it because he's got some background in music, and he, he used it as like a beat. There's a hit of the, the bass, you want to say, like on six days. So there's six in life, and on the seventh day, there's nothing. It's rest. And what we've tried to do, I think, in our lives is God sets the example. God doesn't need rest. God chooses to set the priority of how life should be, sets the rhythm of how life should be. And what we do a lot of times is we take a rhythm like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, and we're trying to shove it into the rhythm that God's created for life, and it's not working. Because God intended life to be six bass hits in one silence. And we're trying to hit 20 bass hits and maybe a half a day of silence. And the beat's not matching up because the original creator created it specifically that way to navigate life. And sometimes I feel like it's a mess because I'm like, why am I so tired all the time? Why am I so stressed out all the time? Why am I so worried all the time? Why do I feel like I'm running on fumes? It's because we're trying to do something the original creator didn't intend for us to do. We're only producers. He's the creator. The creator has the power to arrange the music, put the beats, put the instruments. He has the power to arrange everything the way he wants to, 
The producer just produces. He doesn't create anything. And what we try to do is switch those roles and say, let us be the creator of the pace of life. And that's not the way it's supposed to be. And so we're running dry in our world. We're running out of fumes. Makes me think about um, when I lived on Sandusky Street, when I had an apartment, I'm always one, I don't do it as much now, but I used to always be one that ran, ran my gas tank as low as it possibly could go. So if the needle's not broken, it's still got gas. That was my philosophy. And so I was, I was still at Southview at the time, and I had an event I was getting ready for, and there's a woods over by Edison Elementary back there that we were going to do, like, capture the flag in. So I'm running all around town between the church, the store, my house, getting all these things together. And, and when I started the day, most cars have a range that kind of shuts off after 30 miles to go till you run out of gas. Once it gets below that, usually it just has these lines, and you just kind of got to guess, I guess, when you're going to run out of gas. So mine shut off as the day begun. So I'm running to the church, I'm going to my house, I'm going to the woods, I'm going to all these different places with like, I don't know how many miles left in my gas tank. And one thing that I didn't totally understand at that time was that when you start a car, it actually uses a little more gas to get the car started. And I probably would have been better if I just would have let the car run instead of shutting it off and starting it every single time. So I did that and I got about halfway through the day and I go home to get a couple things and we were going to run up and I said, I, I need to get gas. So with one of my buddies, I said, I need to get gas because I don't even know. I've stopped, started this thing, gone all over town with it and I haven't filled up gas. So he said, okay. So we get my car back out of the driveway where my apartment's at and I get right turned kind of straight to go down Sandusky Street and I just hear ka-choom, And I was like, me, not ever running out of gas, was like, oh, uh, my car's broke. Not even thinking about the gas, even though I knew I didn't have any. I'm like, something broke in my car. Luckily, I had him because he had done stuff with cars and knows cars. So he's like, I don't think your car's broke. I think you're out of gas. I said, well, that can't be true. I've never ran out of gas. So, And we're on Sandusky Street, so it's not like super busy, but there's cars. So it's not like it's a street where nobody's at. So the good friend I am, um, he gets behind the car, and I stay in the driver's seat, and he pushes my car off of Sandusky Street and I kind of turn it into this driveway and we park it there. It was some random driveway and I walk down to one of my buddy's house, grab his gas can he let me use and put some gas in there and then filled up the car and went down to I think BP's where I usually go and went down to BP downtown and filled up my gas for my car. But, but we all know that the way that cars work and probably today wish they weren't reliant on gas with how high prices are they run off of gas. That's the way a car works. And the reality of a car is that there's only a certain amount in the gas tank that can hold that amount of gas. And when it runs out of gas, we have to go fill it back up so that we can keep the car running. It's just the way a car works. It's the same way in our lives. We're like cars. That the rhythm was set that on this day of rest, the seventh day, whatever your Sabbath is, it doesn't always have to be Sunday. The Sabbath day that you implement in your life is your time to go to the gas station, refuel so that you can keep going in life. And what we're doing is we're trying to run lives on empty and we wonder why we can't go anywhere because just like a car, when it's out of gas, it will not keep going. And when you run out of spiritual gas in your life, 
You wonder why you're stressed out. You wonder why you're anxious. You wonder why you're tired. You wonder why you can't focus because you're running on empty and you're running on fumes. God knew we needed a place that we could decompress, that we could rest, that we could refuel to keep going. And for some of us, we're missing the E in our lives. And you're like, I've got too much to do. I don't have time to stop for gas. And then we're running on fumes. God wanted to set the rhythm of life and have us operate in this rhythm so that we could be healthy, energized, and run in this life the way we were supposed to. So maybe you need to look at your life and go, well, maybe, maybe I need to stop for gas at least once a week. I mean, probably all of us have to stop at least once a week. Maybe if you're not driving too much, maybe once every two weeks. We wouldn't run a car without gas. We need to stop running without fuel in our lives. This other passage in Deuteronomy 15, I think, is very insightful. I'm actually only going to really focus on the word Sabbath, but I think the whole passage is good. It says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as your Lord, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days a week are set apart your daily duties and regular work, but the seventh day is a day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any kind of work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock and any foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. Remember that you were once slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out with amazing power and mighty deeds. This is That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. I see this as kind of like an extension of we know the Ten Commandments, and one of the Ten Commandments is keep the Sabbath day or keep the Sabbath day holy. And this is like the extension of it, okay? This is the long answer. You know, you have on test, you've got the multiple choice, and you have the short answers. Expand on your answer a little bit. Don't just give me a one-word answer. Jesus says, okay, we want to keep it holy. Here's an expanded version. Six days a week, you can work. Seventh day, not only just you need to rest, your workers need to rest, and even your animals need to rest. Ox and donkey, make sure they rest. But I think what's very interesting is this word Sabbath. There's four ways you can translate this word that I think, okay, we need to fit into the rhythm of rest. What does that rest actually look like? I think as you translate Sabbath in these four ways, you can navigate your day of rest in that way. That's how you can use the Sabbath. First way it can be translated is stop. Stop. Literal, just stop everything. We probably know the, the, the easy one of work. Okay, this is a day to stop work. Stop working. We get that. Probably one that may be a little harder is stop thinking. we got to start thinking through our week. So on the day we're supposed to be resting, we're thinking about all the stuff we've got to get done this week. Thinking about all the different situations that are stressing me out and all the different things i got to do around the house. And so instead of actually resting, we're still kind of working because our mind can't stop. And you're like, well, I didn't do anything today. Yeah, but you, you thought about things the entire day. It's just like they say a lot, um, and, and what I hold on to a lot too in ministry, is that even though I'm not always working, I'm always thinking about situations and, and different things that I'm dealing with. And we have to learn to be able to shut that off. I know that's easier said than done, but you will find rest when you can rest your mind and stop thinking. 
And the other one that I struggle with um, a lot is also stop buying things. It's a day to rest, and our culture is all about getting more things and buying more things, and so this isn't a day that we just get to go spend more money and go buy clothes. And No, 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 no. Just stop trying to go with the pace of the world and do what the world's doing and just stop everything. That's one way you can translate it. So that's one way to, to kind of build your Sabbath day. The other way is one that we normally translate it as, and that's rest. Rest. Physically, mentally, emotionally. It's a day for us to, I think, also um, sleep if that's what it is. Take a nap. What I always say is that Sunday's one of my favorite days because it's one of the only days that Shannon is okay with me taking a nap. That I can rest. She lets me take nap, naps on other days, but you know, with work and, and Willow and all these different things, I'm gone some of the day. We, we want to spend time together, so it's not always the best time to take a nap. But Sundays is a day that I can take a nap and she's okay with it. There's, there's a day that you can physically rest like that. Take a nap. Sit around. Sit in silence. And just rest. That's one that I think we commonly know the Sabbath as. And then two more that I think are very interesting. Um, delight is another way that you can translate it. Delight. And that means celebrate. So you look at something um, like a holiday, take for example. You have a holiday that you celebrate. So like Christmas, Thanksgiving, um, Easter, July 4th. You know what those days are like. Usually they're surrounded by family, food, fun, and you celebrate whatever you celebrate. Thanksgiving, you're being thankful for, for, for everything you have in life. Christmas, you're celebrating Jesus' birth and coming to this earth. And so everything's surrounded, and usually people are happy, and you're not thinking about other things, but the time that you are with people and thinking about that holiday. And, and, and we can translate the Sabbath, and it kind of integrates with the last one of where you can translate it, worship is that this is a day that we celebrate our God. Celebrate the one that's given us life and, and loves us and forgives us, that we give Him all the glory. And we should be happy about this day. We should look forward to this day just like we do on holidays. It's a celebration of a holy day. And then the last one, as I said, is worship. It means it's set apart, dedicated to God. That it's not, oh, I just want to take a day where I go to church. But a day that I set apart and say, this day I want to dedicate to going to church, building relationships through the day, maybe spending time with Jesus, doing all these things that set apart from any other day solely for God if you begin to translate the Sabbath day of rest in those ways and structure your day that way, you're going to find true rest. When you stop everything, when you rest, when you delight, and when you worship, rest is something we so desperately need. And so I wrap up with a simple, hopefully, illustration. Is Many of us know like this is a light bulb. But what happened before light bulbs were invented is that there was work from sunrise to sunset because that's the only time there was light out. 
You couldn't do work once the sun went down because you couldn't see anything. Then between Thomas Edison and a couple other people came along and they invented this light bulb, which radically changed our lives because now we can do work at any time or we can get stuff done around the house at any time because if it's not light out, we still have something that's going to give us a source of light to be able to see things. The light bulb changed life dramatically from what it used to be in a good way and sometimes a bad way. Rest is something like a light bulb. That when you begin to implement this into your life, it's going to radically change your life from the way that it used to be because you're going to begin to go into the rhythm of how God wanted you to navigate life, which is having a desire and a day to just breathe and rest. You want to go against the world and find a solution to our busyness. Implement rest on a weekly basis in your life and you will be surprised at how well and better your life becomes because you began to go to the rhythm of life God wanted you to go at.